der Restitution des Bildnis der Kinder des Künstlers widmen wir uns einem Stück deutscher Geschichte. Zugleich ist das ein gutes Beispiel für Geschichtsverarbeitung. That's what it sounded like recently in Dusseldorf, Germany, at a ceremony when the mayor of Dusseldorf announced that a painting that had been hanging in his office for more than half a century would be symbolically returned to the heirs of a Canadian persecuted by the Nazis, the late Max Stern of Montreal whose family used to run a prominent art gallery business in Dusseldorf in the 1930s. Now, the painting in question is a family portrait by a Dutch master. It was originally painted in 1830, but exactly how and when it got into the city's hands remains unclear. What we do know for sure is that after the Nazis took power, they stripped Stern's license to run his art gallery under their Aryanization policies. The Nazis confiscated some of his collection He was soon forced to sell the rest to a non-Jew. In 1937, Stern fled to London and eventually made it to Canada in 1941 as a refugee. He went on to establish the famous Dominion Gallery in Montreal. He died in 1987, and for years now, his heirs have been scouring the world of art auction houses and German museums to trace the art that was looted or stolen. Under German law on liquidated Jewish treasures, the statute of limitations to give it back has long expired. But the Dusseldorf mayor decided to show goodwill after a long and sometimes very testy negotiation with Stern's heirs. On hand for the handover ceremony was Montreal art historian Clarence Epstein. He's been spearheading the treasure hunt for Stern's lost art from his base at Concordia University. We're hopeful that the bureaucrats and the administrators and the politicians and the curators in Germany are getting used to the fact that we're not going away and that there'll be other families like us making claims. And so they were going to have to develop practices and policies internally that deal with this more regularly. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Tuesday, May the 30th, 2023. Welcome to the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, sponsored by Metropia. When he was alive, Max Stern rarely, if ever, spoke about the collection of 400 European paintings he'd lost to the Germans. Over the past 20 years, art sleuths have found 25 so far that they've succeeded in claiming back. Sometimes they hear about pieces for sale in art auctions. The rest are still scattered around the world, mostly in Germany, but also even in Canada, where sometimes the unsuspecting customers paid full price for the works without knowing they were tainted. By the way, Dusseldorf isn't actually going to give this latest old painting back. They've bought it outright from the Stern Foundation, and they won't say for how much. But this way, the painting can remain on display in Germany permanently at the Kunstpalast Museum, with a special sign beside it explaining its provenance. So joining me now to explain the backstory of how this agreement was made and what's next is Clarence Epstein, just back from Dusseldorf. It's a pleasure to be here, Ellen. Well, welcome back from Germany. We're talking just a couple of days after your trip to Dusseldorf for the ceremony. Why don't you walk us through uh, your your impressions? So it's not my first time in Dusseldorf, and uh, we have contacts there. And of course, the Canadian Embassy in Germany had joined us for the return ceremony, as well as different officials from the museums and from the government sector there that we've been working with for many years. And It really was long uh, time coming, this return ceremony. We've been negotiating this settlement for over 10 years with three different mayors. And so 
coming into this event and seeing the way the city received us, I thought was uh, very positive. But my uh, undertone through my speech was really one of cautious optimism because, you know, we've been there before. We've seen them both work with us and without us. And in this particular case, because the conclusion was positive, you know, we wanted to make sure we were there to kind of support this new administration and their attitude towards restitution and hopefully see it continue because we have other claims pending, both in their museums and in the Dusseldorf neighborhood of the North Rhine-Westphalia. And we believe that with their support, we can continue recovering paintings at a faster clip. Right. And this case has been fraught with, our listeners may not remember, so we'll talk about it. There was supposed to be a, a sort of a vernissage or a uh, an exhibition that was cancelled because you mentioned there were some changes in administration a couple of years ago. So about 10 years ago, uh, another painting by the same artist that we recovered uh, a painting this week, uh, Shadow, was uh, discovered to be in one of the Dusseldorf museums. And The mayor at the time agreed with us that it was a painting that he wanted to have returned. And so we had a ceremony 10 years ago at the city museum, wherein not only was the painting recovered, but there was a certain promise or commitment from the city to establish an international cooperation project with the idea of bringing Max Stern's memory and legacy back to the city, his his native city. And in that vein, we also agreed that it was important to leave the painting that they returned to us on long-term loan at their museum as a way of also remembering the story and connecting Max Stern and his history to the city. At the same time, there was an administrative handover and one mayor lost the election, the new mayor won the election. This new mayor seemed to be somewhat keen on doing things with us Uh, So much so that he came to Montreal, he um, was exploring the idea of twinning the cities of Dusseldorf and Montreal. Uh, But at the same time, he was somewhat dubious at committing to the notion of restitution. And it was at that time that we submitted our claim for the second shadow painting. And we just became more and more distant with him as the claim proceeded and about three months before the opening of the exhibition, he kind of launched this missive about the fact that due to pending claims on restitution in Germany, um, he was going to cancel the exhibition. And this, of course, unleashed uh, uh, outrage internationally, the World Jewish Congress, the government of Germany even expressed disappointment in his decision. So began the kind of Cold War period between the Stern Project, and the city. So this marks the detente. It was, well, it was significant because this new mayor seems to be keen on correcting the last mayor's direction, and we will see if he actually does. So in as much as we're happy to see him take the lead on this, it kind of came out of left field. We, we suddenly received notice less than six months ago that they were ready to sit down again after numerous attempts by us in the last few years to uh, settle this. At the time, he wasn't interested in, interested in settling it, and now suddenly he is. We don't know why. We're happy that he did. So about this particular painting, you let them keep it for a, for a sum. 
like we do with every restitution, is we, we, we request an outright return. In other words, the painting belongs back to the Stern Foundation uh, without condition. In this particular case, we understood also that the work by Shadow, which is a portrait of his children, is an extremely important work for the city and its museums. It's, it's one of his masterpieces. And so our intention really was not just to kind of take away their own patrimony, but it was to understand that if they wanted to keep their patrimony, they had to compensate the Stern Foundation for the painting that belonged to them. So it was a two-step deal. We First, there was an outright restitution of the work. And second, there was an agreement by us to sell the work back to them so the work can stay in the Dusseldorf collections. Can you tell us how much it was? If the city wants to disclose it, they can, but we usually try and keep that information um, confidential out of respect to the buyer. Well, it is public money, I guess, so I'm sure they can answer that. But in terms of why it's better to keep it in this case there, as opposed to putting it in a museum somewhere in Israel or, or Canada? Well, this is the 25th painting we've recovered in about 20 years. And we've had different uh, decisions that we've taken regarding where to place these paintings when we recover them. And often it's a strategic decision, not only a financial decision. In this case, it was both. We were able to uh, financially uh, have the foundation compensated for the loss and also have this work, which is going to be a permanent reminder in one of the great museums of the North Rhine-Westphalia with a sign that identifies this work of having been restituted to the Stern Foundation in Montreal in perpetuity. And for us to have that calling card in the city where we are insisting that Max Stern be remembered and honored is quite intentional. And so we thought it made a lot of sense for all those reasons to keep it there. I, I was reading um, before our interview that there are 400 or so paintings outstanding, minus the 25, I guess, that you just mentioned. Do you know where most of them are? Are they mostly in Germany? I know some are in Canada. I know the AGO in Toronto gave one back. And uh, where else would they be? So the answer is they're mostly in German-speaking countries. The, the Gallery Stern had uh, um, a certain clientele that was built around their art um, inventory, which was uh, Dutch, Flemish, and German, um, and old master paintings. So they're wherever the art markets take them. And, and very often you see them in uh, London and New York auctions, which is where we're very active. And of course, in museums, some of which haven't completely cataloged their collections, especially their World War II acquisitions. And so we learn about things every year. And um, in the case of the AGO, we are still trying to understand the decision. The AGO possibly made an error in their return. And although we haven't yet found uh, the paper trail to confirm that, Neither have they, and so we are kind of in a bit of a dispute with them about their processes. And it's unfortunate that it happened right under our nose, you know, in Toronto, right, you know, right down the 401, when most of the time we're dealing with European collectors and museums and the New York art trade and the involvement of law enforcement. And with Canada, we're hoping that, you know, we'll be able to learn more from the AGO as we do from other institutions about the research history of 
this painting. But ultimately, the paintings can appear everywhere. We, we know there's a, a work in Taiwan. Uh, we believe there are works circulating in Latin America. Would you be able to say for our listeners about how much the remaining outstanding collection that you're still looking for would be worth? I think we, well, we, about a few years ago, we, we did an audit on behalf of the foundation for the universities, and it was estimated that there's probably around $50 million worth of art from the Stern inventory that is circulating. Now, I know that if this was the Mona Lisa or, you know, a Rembrandt or something, it would probably be easier to find these because you can't hide those as easily. What makes this challenging for the kinds of paintings that are in this collection? So the the Gallery Stern had a a market that um, was catered to Dusseldorf, Nouveau Riche, and industrialists. And so there was a certain kind of um, scale of value of works in, in the, the gallery that were made available. And so, you know, 10 or 20% of, let's say, the inventory was extremely important, high-value works. But you don't sell those works every day in a gallery. You have bread-and-butter works that you sell that are, you know, in this day and age, let's say, worth $5,000, $10,000. And so a great number of those works were in the gallery inventory and were the ones that were uh, sold by force in the 1930s. And those works circulate not necessarily only in museums, but in the secondary marketplaces where you don't always have information available. So it's much harder to scan all the auctions across the world of all the auction houses that are dealing with paintings, let's say, under $20,000, under $10,000. So you're right, the big fish are easier to find because there's much more information and much more marketing about them. The smaller fish are definitely um, um, uh, uh, difficult to trace, but they are traceable. And every year, you know, we learn a bit about a percentage of those uh, works and we add them to our search list and we post them on Interpol because we work closely with Interpol and their Lost Art database as it relates to Stern pieces. When you go back to places like Dusseldorf and you do the deals with them to try to rest, get the restitution, what is the, what is the current feeling in that city or in Germany in general about restitution of looted art? Um, have they, are they done with it or are they still seized with the, the, the I guess, um, the mandate to do what's right, even after all these years? The answer is very complicated because they're living in a kind of a complicated historical situation where they too are trying to move on with their lives and with their society. But at the same time, they have this dark cloud that hangs over them, which they wish did not hang over them, but invariably is kind of part of their reality. But, you know, we've succeeded so far 25 times. And so with every success, you know, we get a little bit more uh, momentum in the argument. You know, with um, the current political, I guess, cultural climate, Clarence, where, for example, indigenous artifacts are being restored to their their First Nation bands after many years in museums um, and pr- efforts to get, for example, the Vatican to 
give back some stuff. How does this impact or make any easier your job when it comes to Nazi looted art? So there's not a day that goes by in, in the various art newspapers and magazine where restitution issues are not discussed, be they Nazi era, uh, indigenous matters from all countries, or even historical losses like ones from the Vatican or from the Napoleonic times. And so we're, you know, we're seeing kind of this reawakening of social justice uh, that for years we were uh, battling on our own. Uh, we now see that we have allies. There, there, there's definitely an alliance now and an awareness by all the museums and collections that we're not only talking about Nazi-era injustices, but museums across the world are filled with problematic works because their ownership history and the way that they were acquired um, is in question in a way that it never was put in question to those museums in the past. Do you have one? Do I have? A Max Stern painting. Uh, well, actually, it, you know, as I mentioned, some of these paintings are more affordable than others. And, and a few of the paintings uh, that are still in circulation, sometimes I look at it and I say, well, maybe I should just make an offer it myself and then compensate the Stern Foundation. I haven't yet succeeded in doing that, but my plan is one day to acquire work and, and to donate the proceeds to the foundation. Are they going to do the vernissage that was canceled all these years ago? Is that, are you working towards that again? So, so in that kind of Cold War period where we weren't talking to them, they decided to mount their own exhibition without anyone from the Canadian or, or Israeli intelligentsia involved. And so their exhibition ran. It wasn't really a successful exhibition in terms of its reception and its international recognition. Um, I think they know that. I think we are open and we've talked to the other curators and scholars uh, who are open to revisiting the idea of, of more uh, exhibition or uh, research presentations in the future, and we'll discuss how that's going to roll out, and we'll see if the Dusseldorf administration is as genuine as they say they are, and we'll take it from there. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Today's listener shout-out goes to Mona Strasbourg, now of Toronto, but formerly of Montreal. And we'll end with our condolences to the family of the late Ottawa cantor Moshe Krauss, a Holocaust survivor whose lyric tenor singing voice inspired Jewish prisoners in Nazi death camps and later in Israel and around the world. He died at the age of 100. His funeral is Tuesday in Ottawa. He's being buried in Israel. Cantor Krauss's book, The Life of Moshe Led Der Zinger, was just published in January. And here's a bit of him singing Shema Yisrael from 1950, courtesy of the Cantorial Legends YouTube channel. Hey,